Welcome to Beyond Synth. Please note, Beyond Synth is an explicit program and may contain inappropriate language. Listener discretion is strongly advised. Hey there, welcome to the show. My name is Andy Lost, and you are listening to Beyond Synth. This is episode 57, and my guests are Dance with the Dead. I know some people have been waiting a long time for this episode, so it's a good one, and we'll be getting to them in just a little bit. But first, let's take care of some business. Beyond Synth is on 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, Thursday nights on Power85. That's Power85.com. If you join us for the live show, it's a lot of fun. There's a chat going on, Mixler. So that's another way to listen to the show is the uh, the Power 85 Mixler. And if you follow me on Twitter, at Andy Last, uh, usually on Thursdays I will uh, tweet out reminders that the show is on the air so you can follow those links and enjoy. So that is 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Power85.com. There's also a Saturday replay at 1 p.m. that no one listens to. Also, if you're in the mood for cool music, uh, you can also check out uh, the other show on Power 85, which is Project Friday, hosted by Steve Gilson. That's every Friday night, and he plays lots of cool music, so you check that out. You check that out. <laughs> anyway, let's listen to some tunes. So I got sent to me the new Drive Radio compilation called Selection Volume 1. And there's some really good artists on this compilation and some really cool songs. So I thought I would just make my job easier today and play some tracks from this comp. So it's called Drive Radio Selection Volume 1. And uh, there's artists on here like Laserhawk and Phaserland and The Midnight and Voltage and Wave Shaper and Absolute Valentine and Dance with the Dead. I mean, like, there's so many uh, people on here and it's really cool. So I am going to play a track now by The Midnight. Big fan of The Midnight. They were on uh, a few episodes ago, so if you dig that, uh, check out that show because uh, they're fun dudes. And this is a track called The Equalizer, in brackets, Not Alone.
And that was The Midnight with the track The Equalizer. And that's from the Drive Radio Selection Volume 1 compilation. You can uh, check it out on Bandcamp. It's laserdiscs.bandcamp.com. L-A-Z-E-R-D-I-S-C-S. That's right, I'm Canadian and I say Z. So, uh, yeah, check it out, man. It's pretty cool stuff. All right. Trying to think here if there's any other business that I have forgotten to mention. What's my business? Check out the Facebook page, Beyond Synth Facebook. That's facebook.com slash beyond.synth.podcast. As I said before, follow me on Twitter. I'm at Andy Last. And um, SoundCloud, soundcloud.com slash beyondsynth. So that's where all the episodes get posted. Um, after they've aired and uh, you can check that out and you can follow it and like the shows and comment and stuff that's always fun to see and um, you know we haven't done this in a few weeks I think it's time to open up the junk email folder Alright guys, so let's read some junk email. Now you know normally I go into my junk email folder, you know people, uh, they just delete this shit and they don't read it. Now usually I read those big long, you know, Nigerian prince email scams. Today I'm just going to read a few quick ones that I got because I just, I don't know why these (laughs) made me laugh uh, because they're very, very simple. So this was one I received. Now the key here is there's three things. There's the title of the email, there's who it's from, and then there's the body of the email which is a sentence. So this one's called Re Great News, and it's from Tara J. Abel. Now remember that, because the message is as follows. I, Mrs. Gloria, donated four million to you. Email her at mgloria88 at qq.com. So tell me what the... How does the computer... Okay, so say this is like a scam machine, right? That just sends out thousands and hundreds of thousands of scam emails to people. Could they not get the name right? Like, it says, it's from Tara J. Abel, and then, the, like, literally the next sentence is, I, Mrs. Gloria, and again, like, who the fuck is... <laughs> Gloria, you know, that common surname. And then email her at M. Gloria. So then it's written in the third person. All these mistakes in the span of fucking one sentence. It's, uh, it's amazing. Like, I just don't understand if you have a machine trying to scam people... How it can't just, you know, get the simple things correct. Now this one I like. This was another quick one. And it uh, simply says, Someone's sexy mom, also known as a MILF, wants to sleep with a new man. Press here to help a MILF have a sexual affair. Must be 18 or older. We and help you meet beautiful single and married MILFs that want to meet, equal sign, new men that they can sleep with. And these MILFs are so sexy, you have to check them out. With kisses, sexy, naughty wives. So, I love this one only because they explain what a MILF is in the top sentence as if you're reading all year. Like, you know, sometimes when you read the Nigerian scam emails and they try and make things official by saying, like, you know, I'm from the Bureau of Boners, the BB, and they show you the acronym just so you, uh, so it sounds official. So I love that what makes this email official is that they explain someone's sexy mom 
also known as a MILF. <laughs> like, you're going to be reading this thing like, oh, a MILF, huh? Interesting. Hmm. All right, listen, this is the last one I got. This is a real quick one. So this one was actually on Twitter, and it was uh, an image followed by a paragraph, and the image is what looks like a bank statement that shows that they received 3428 U.S. dollars, and then they've circled it and said, made in a single week. And then the message follows. When was the last time you wanted to say, fuck it, LOL, for real? Don't you desire to have enough money to tell your manager, fuck it, or tell your landlord, anyone, just fuck it? Well, you will learn how to generate $6,006 each week from the basic use of your cell phone. Tap this link and say, fuck it, I'm gonna make cash and nobody's gonna stop me. (laughs) Again. They tell me I can make $6,006 and they have an image circled with big letters pointing at the number that the guy made $3,000. How much money am I going to fucking make? You know, I got chastised for swearing. Did I tell you guys that? Yeah, someone uh, wrote me a message and told me I swear. How about this? Let's deal with that in a second. Let's listen to another song. Let's listen to another song from this uh, this awesome compilation. This is Laserhawk, one of my favorites, and this is a really cool song. It's called Space Station by Laserhawk. Thank you. 
that was Space Station by Laserhawk. Uh, Laserhawk is awesome. That's from the Selection 1 compilation from Drive Radio at laserdiscs.bandcamp.com. And what was I saying before? Oh yeah, I got got a message here. So they've said, um, this is directed to me. I have nothing against swearing, but just saying shit and fuck all the time gets tiring. It seems like you're trying to express something, but can't be bothered to think of some more descriptive, expressive words to use. So you just say fuck. It's just boring to listen to. And uh, I gotta say, I couldn't agree more. I literally can't argue with this guy. I do swear too much. That's why there is a disclaimer at the start of the show that tells people that there's lots of language. But of course... The excessive use of swearing, and I feel it too when I'm around people and I go, Hey man, this guy swears too much. Here's the thing you have to know about this show. It's not scripted. Like, it's not fucking Shakespeare. I sit there, I turn on the mics, and then I have to fucking say a few things and then play a song and then fucking segue to the interview segment. Like, that's what this show is, okay? I talk for a bit, tell you guys some stuff, play a song. It's not scripted. When someone comes out and says... Oh, you can't find the words to say? Yeah, I can't find the words. It's not scripted. Like, I was going on a rant, I believe, at the time about when I was young and, you know, I never got, like, a lot of the toys I wanted, so I was using the Beetlejuice car for Batman. Like, whatever. It was a stupid story. But the point is, I didn't go in, set the microphone up and go, and now I'm going to read this eloquently written out take on my life as a child uh, when I received the Beetlejuice toy. When I was 12. Like, I mean, that's not... (laughs) That's not what I do. I just go on and I talk. So, if it sounds like I'm being defensive... (laughs) The point is, if someone comes up to you and you are in conversation with somebody and it's off the cuff because that's what a conversation is and then there's some guy, like, in the background fucking judging you every time you swear because you haven't gathered your thoughts correctly, it's like, this isn't a fucking TED talk. It's like I'm talking to my buddy. Like, it's not... It's not some well-prepared fucking thing. So, yes... To answer your question, I do swear a lot. Everyone swears a lot on this show. It is for adults. Now that that's taken care of, guys, I saw Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice. You guys know I'm a big fan of Batman, and uh, I used to talk about Batman a lot on the show. We go through phases on Beyond Synth. You know, there's a, a phase where Batman came up a lot, a phase where Grand Theft Auto came up a lot. And uh, what do I got to say about Batman v Superman? Well, if there's any main point... It's that it is not a 29% as it is on Rotten Tomatoes. I think it even went down to 28%. Like, don't... Look, it's not a great movie. It's flawed. But for me personally, I didn't hate anything specifically in the movie. Even Jesse Eisenberg that everybody complained about, I really didn't hate him. because I. But then, full disclosure, I don't really care about the character of Lex Luthor or Superman, to be honest. But in this case, my main issue with the movie is since it's so tonally dark and dreary, it's not necessarily a fun film. So when it's over, you don't get the same charge you get from watching Star Wars. Uh, when the movie's over and it's just like, holy fuck, I need to go see Star Wars again. Batman vs. Superman is not that kind of movie. When it's over, you're kind of like drained almost like, oh wow, because everyone's really sort of dark and depressing in the film. But that doesn't mean it's a bad movie, and I've been wrestling with this idea for a while. Any other genre of film, drama, sci-fi, whatever, you can you can have a movie that's completely depressing, and it can win awards, and it's okay. I mean, uh, Precious is not a fun film. 
There are a lot of dramas that aren't fun at all. But nobody uses that as a fault to score the movie less. Because they say, oh, that's the point of this film. It's trying to convey this message or whatever, and that's totally fine. But for some reason, the genre of superhero film is put under the scrutiny that if the movie's not fun, it's considered a failure. Now, I'm not saying this in defense of this movie, okay? The movie's got problems. But my question is sort of a general question. Why is it that if a superhero movie isn't fun, it's a failure? Like, why does the superhero genre get this weird special treatment that says these are the rules of a superhero movie and they cannot be broken? Because a lot of the negative reviews I read, that's one of the flaws. They say this movie's not fun. And it's like, okay, so superhero movies have to be fun? Like, are all the graphic novels and the comic books fun, necessarily? You know, some of them are pretty dark. I mean, fucking Arkham Asylum. Is Arkham Asylum fun? The fucking graphic novel? Like, it's not fun. It's fucking weird. <laughs> like, you know, so it's strange to me that that's considered a negative. But at the same time, when you watch a movie that's not fun for two and a half hours, you do come out of it sort of drained and not really wanting to revisit it right away. But there's a lot of people who use this as... Um, a way to say, you know, like Marvel's doing so much better and, and you know, if only DC took out a page from Marvel's book and blah, blah, blah. Well, let's fucking remember here, and I love what Marvel's doing and Marvel's made some amazing films and I love the Avengers, but let's be clear, the lead-up to Avengers was Iron Man 2, Thor, Captain America, like, Incredible Hulk... Fuck, are those classics? You know what I mean? Like, nobody looks back on those ones super fondly. I mean, I know a few people who prefer Captain America, the first one, to the second one. But, you know, critically and for the most part, Captain America 2 is the one that people seem to like a lot. That's the one I really liked. It just had really great action scenes. The point I'm trying to make is Marvel had this slow build that led to Avengers, which was a really fun movie. But it's not like the movies that preceded it were classics. And I will say this about Batman vs. Superman. I would rather watch Batman vs. Superman than Iron Man 2, than Thor, than Captain America, than fucking Iron Man 3, to be honest with you. The thing about Marvel is, they have a consistency where they haven't really made a bad movie. But when people use Marvel as the example of, like, perfection, it's like, well, no, it's not perfect. And they stumble frequently as well. Age of Ultron was, you know, to most people, a disappointment. It was still an okay movie, but it was kind of disappointing. And there's always those surprises. So now people watch Batman versus Superman, and, you know, the standout thing is Batman. So all the people who are bashing Ben Affleck are fools because he, he looks the part and his Batman is awesome. There could have been a lot more, and I would love to see just a standalone Batman, that Batman, because it's it's sort of more like a dark version of, like, the, the cartoon Batman. You know, like, he's got the Batcave with all the screens, and his suit has some high-tech stuff going on. He uses lots of gadgets. Uh, he looks, you know, like he's actually like a... He looks like a comic book Batman. I mean, that's what's what's cool about it. The point I'm trying to make is, I liked Batman vs. Superman, but it is flawed, and it is dark, and I understand every single criticism that anyone has said. I'm not an idiot, all right? If someone tells me they hated the film, I'm not going to argue with them because I can't, because all those flaws are there. They just didn't affect me personally. Because, you know, when people say, oh, the story doesn't make sense, I'm like, dude, you gave fucking Dark Knight Rises a passing grade, okay? Everyone gave Dark Knight Rises a pass, and the story of that movie makes no sense. 
But just because it was like the, the, you know, the third movie in the Christopher Nolan trilogy, everyone gives it a pass. But let's fucking not kid ourselves. That story makes no sense. And the villain in that story doesn't really make sense either, okay? So there's a whole bunch of shit that doesn't make sense. But of course, if it's already in a movie that's already kind of weird anyways, then I guess that it's, you know, it's more noticeable. So yes, they're absolutely right. Lex Luthor's plan makes no sense. And in the third act, he does a thing that makes way, like, really doesn't make sense. But I'm curious to see if the extended edition of the film when it comes out on Blu-ray actually does flesh things out because one of the main flaws of the film is just you never really understand fully why Lex Luthor hates Superman so much and maybe there's just a fucking two-minute scene on the cutting room floor that just solidifies that idea a bit more. So anyways, that's all I got to say about Batman vs. Superman. Let's listen to another song. I mean, (laughs) believe me, we'll be talking about Batman vs. Superman uh, for a long time, but (laughs) in the... (laughs) In the meantime, let's listen to some music. So this is by Wave Shaper, and this is the track Showdown.
And that was Showdown by Wave Shaper off Selection Volume 1, the Drive Radio compilation. And that's a pretty cool song, man. I dig it. You should dig it, too. I think that's all for me, man. I'm, I'm, I got nothing really else to say. Uh, tell me what you thought. I mean, I've had, you know, people tell me about their feelings on Batman. Obviously, it's a hot topic issue. We're going to see in the coming weeks if it drops off and, you know, all that money it made was just that first day and then that was all, that's the end of it. Because it's not going to make huge bank like Star Wars because Star Wars was the kind of movie you revisit. Like, I watched Star Wars twice in the theater. Fuck, I have a friend who's seen Star Wars seven times in the fucking theater, okay? It's just a feel-good, fun movie. And if your movie isn't fun, there's no real need to revisit it. I mean, I love Batman, and I have no desire to watch that movie again immediately. I will watch it again when it comes out on Blu-ray, but until then, you know, I'm in no rush. And I hope that... They lighten the tone a bit for Justice League. I think if they still want to differentiate themselves from Marvel and have, like, a dark movie, that's fine. But clearly from this film, it is a bit draining, and there does need to be moments of levity, I suppose. So, anyways, listen. You've been waiting patiently enough. So here now is my conversation with Dance with the Dead. Okay, and I'm here with uh, Dance with the Dead, which is, of course, uh, Justin and Tony. How's it going? Good, man. What's up? How's it going? I'm going. I'm going. <laughs> it's <laughs> it's going all right. Maybe I say uh, which one's which here. Uh, Tony here. Uh, Justin here. I'll preface this this whole interview. I don't want this to sound like I'm being too like ass-kissy or whatever, but uh, it was really hard to find tracks because the way, the way that I do the show, you know, I talk and then, you know, every few minutes we play tracks that, you know, like I choose from people's catalog. And I find that with Dance with the Dead, the music's great and it's very consistent to the point where it's hard for me. Like, because I'm the kind of guy when I listen to music, I uh, I like to gravitate towards like a song on an album. Like someone could send me an album and I'll listen, but I'll always see the second like song four stands out to me or something. Like I'll just listen to that one on repeat. That's just the kind of guy I am. Okay. But I find with like Dance with the Dead, the music's all so good and consistent that every time I'm listening to the album, I go like, all right, yeah, well, I'll play this song. And then the next song comes in. I'm like, oh, no, I'll play this song. And then, like, I couldn't pick because they're all kind of so good and, like, they have the, the same kind of style to them. Oh, awesome, man. Yeah, thanks, man. <laughs> so I know that sounds like a cheesy thing to say, but it actually made the process of picking songs to talk about today difficult. <laughs> just because just sometimes it's a lot easier. Sometimes people have just, like, a really great song and, like, an okay album, and it's really my job's easy. But anyway, the point is you guys make really cool music. Thank you, man. Let's uh, Maybe let's get into the back story here so how did uh, how did you guys meet justin and i actually met about like 16 years ago a lot longer than that yeah we've uh, known each other forever since we were little high school kids so we've always been friends always played in different bands but him and i actually never played together in a band together until dance the dead so i guess three years back even four years maybe him and i were just out of boredom just pretty much getting drunk and making beats for fun and then uh, him and I also had a big fascination for horror movies. So we were trying to do like the whole Carpenter, John Carpenter thing with like just cool beats on top for fun. Then we both realized like the stuff we were coming up uh, coming up with were actually really good. So we decided to just make an album for fun, not taking anything seriously. And then uh, we put it up on SoundCloud and all, all the social media sites. And then I think about 
A week before Out of Body was released, we got some emails from people saying that Lady Gaga ripped off one of our songs, which is the song of ours called The Deep. And is that, is that true? Oh, no. It's, no. It's not even, it doesn't even really sound the same. Maybe like the first two seconds. It's just like a 16th <laughs> note bass line. But yeah, so like, yeah, long story short, a big blogger here named Perez Hilton blogged about it saying, you know, did she steal the song from Dance of the Dead or not? And then that just gave us, I guess, a little boost in PR. That's cool. Um, yeah, so from then we're like, okay, well, you know, like, let's do this. We got, you know, some publicity and albums out. And then, yeah, we just kind of start taking this a little more serious ever since. Yeah, after our first record, we just kind of started getting a pretty loyal fan base and it just is still growing to this day. So how do you define then your your individual roles? Well, I am a guitar player and Justin's a drummer. When it comes to writing, we both do 50-50 everything, like, eat, like pretty much to the half. Like, what's your process then? So when you start, I mean, like, because obviously your music is full of these these awesome, like, kind of guitar melodies and licks and stuff. I mean, that's, like, important to the sound. Kind of just go back and forth with, uh, like, session files or... You know, we work a lot through email or if we're in the same room, it you know, works faster. But it's just one of us comes with a riff and then we kind of just feed off that. You know, it kind of just grows from there. What do you find is easier? Like if, if there's already like a beat laid down or like a bass line to then play guitar too? Or do you just get guitar melodies out of no place? Or They can kind of come from anywhere, from like just fiddling around with a guitar or like, you know, making a, a synth the size of a riff or something like that. Yeah, um, it just really depends. Well, let's... um. We're going to work our way through the uh, the catalog here. Sure. You just mentioned about uh, Out of Body, which was uh, your release in 2013. Yeah, it came out on Halloween. Was that planned? It was planned, yeah. We kind of we were excited about it. How long you, were you working on that album before it came out? Uh, I'd say we started really seriously constructing the songs probably that summer, maybe the summer of 2013. Mm. So we wrote that record in probably a span of like five, four or five months. Okay, cool. Well, let's listen to a song here. This is, uh, do you say, is it Robeast? Is that Robeast, yeah. Robeast. All right, well, let's listen to the track Robeast by Dance with the Dead.
And that was Row Beast by Dance with the Dead. And I'm uh, I'm back with Dance with the Dead. I like playing your music on my show just because I like saying that. Nice. I just, <laughs> I just thought just Dance with the Dead. I didn't know what a Row Beast was, and I thought maybe I was missing out on something. So I went and looked up the definition. I end up, you know when you go on the internet and you just <laughs> you look something up and then it just starts this huge chain of time wasting oh yeah right, you go into that yeah jesus so i look up and it says okay a row beast is a kaiju sized monster more often than not the same size as a super robot that battles it that's correct actually well i i titled that song and what what it is was a uh, when i was a kid i used to watch this show called voltron oh yeah and the row beasts were the the villains basically the monsters that he had fight i have no idea why i titled the song that but it just sounded kind of cool. <laughs> well i do love that that whole vibe but i love um the intricacies of all this sort of like nerdy stuff that you don't know about because I never heard of row beasts and then as I'm reading this definition then it starts talking about do you know what apply phlebotanum is Uh, no as I'm reading the definition for row beast then it says uh, okay row beasts and sentai and toku may also start in human size so as to be a threat on a personal scale then grows through some sort of applied phlebotanum and I'm like, what the fuck is that? So then I look up phlebotanum. <laughs> no idea what you're talking about, man. Phlebotanum is a device that is used to advance the plot classically in television, although it can also appear in books and films. By its nature, it is usually inexplicable and often magical with no basis in reality. I guess it's like a story thing they use in shows just to like push the plot along. And I guess that's their connection to the fucking row beast. Thing. <laughs> Let's just say I did I did all that stuff, and I should have just been focusing on Dance with the Dead questions. <laughs> How often are you guys together? We try to get together as much as we can, but for the most part, all the just ideas and demos we'll do separately, and then we'll meet up a few times a month and just get together and be like, hey, so these are the songs I came up with. What do you got? And then we'll just kind of you know analyze the songs and try to combine ideas together, and then. Once the structure starts happening is when we get together and start hammering out placement and arrangements and all that. Has it ever worked out that like you had both separately created a thing that could be joined into one song? Oh, yeah, all yeah. the time, yeah. Well, that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's just many ways, I guess, different process that goes into it. But for the most part, yeah, I mean, it just all kind of gets created from, hey, well, how about this idea that I had with the beat that you had on the other song? Let's combine it, you know? Do you guys often, I know right now we're recording, it's 1 p.m. my time, which means it's like 10 a.m. your time. Yes, 10, 20. Where, where are you at, uh, if you don't mind me asking? Yeah, I'm in Toronto. Oh, okay. Ontario, Canada. I did hear a little bit of an accent earlier. There are certain words that you're going to hear coming out of my mouth. <laughs> Very Canadian. But uh, are you guys often awake at this time? Oh, yeah. I'm an early bird. How do you find you work better that way, like in the morning? Or? Uh, I know Justin's a nighttime guy when it yeah, comes I'm to work. A, yeah, I'm a night owl for sure. And then I, I treat it more like a Monday to Friday, 9 to 5 kind of thing. Right, I Wake right, right. up, get the music done, and at night is when I pretty much wind down. So does that create any sort of issues for meeting up or do you have like a happy medium in the afternoon or not really i mean if it's work and we got to get it done and we make it a point to get it done so so then who came up uh, with the name it was a song title that i came up with and i sent it to justin saying hey i have this song idea called dance of the dead and then tony named it it was like a working title of a song and we were trying to think of you know what to call ourselves and i just thought it was kind of cool you didn't really think much of it and i'm like let's just call ourselves out and if we don't get blocked or there's like another one out there or whatever like that you know we just it just kind of stuck I just put out on Twitter here, although this this won't air for a while, but I got some people to write in some questions. Okay. Let's see if they're any good. 
I hope they're interesting. Every new episode, I try and do something new to further sort of evolve this show. So here we go. We got, this is from Velquez in brackets, Dupe Coop at V Dupe Coop. Jesus. All right. <laughs> Boot scoot boogie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who fucking does that song? Fuck Travis Tritt or some shit. I don't fucking Because that song has always been in my head, and I don't know. Ah, oh, fucking. The boots scootin' boogie. Yeah. Oh, fuck that stupid thing. Anyways, fucking boot scootin' boogie wants to know. What, uh, what did the guys do before they made Dance with the Dead? Also, what inspirations do they have when making the music? So, yeah, let's do the first one first. What did you guys do before? Like I was saying before, him and I had never been in a band together until Dance with the Dead, but both of us have been in different bands, whether it was punk or metal or rock bands. So he was always a drummer and I was a guitar player until we started doing this project. And then he also asked, what inspirations do they have when making the music? I don't know. Movies? Good, good. 70s and 80s horror movies. Whiskey. Whiskey. Pretty girls. <laughs> uh, naked women. You know, all kinds of shit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, a lot of the songs actually just kind of happened from us just being literally just drunk. <laughs> like, I, I mean, drinking helps, man, when you're, when you're creating any kind of art because it kind of lowers your inhibitions. You don't really judge what you're doing too much you just kind of go with like feeling i guess that makes sense when i do creative things if i'm if i'm drinking i just get tired i always found because i don't smoke anymore and when i did if i was like say like making music or doing something like by myself i would be more um willing to try kind of crazy ideas when making music and stuff like i would do any random thing and i'd be really proud of what i had done and then you know when i had sobered up realized that what i made was shit right oh we've had those days <laughs> so i find it's funny what how the different substances affect lately i found actually it's just a simple caffeine is what I just need energy. Like, I already have the creative drive, and I just need, like, the energy to keep at it. Oh, yeah, I feel you on that. When um, it's, like, crunch time, you know, when it comes mm -hmm. down to mixing, and album's going to be out in, you know, a month, we got to do the last, you know, a few touches. I literally just will go get, like, a 20-pack of Red Bull and just, <laughs> yeah, just get cracked out. Well, listen, man, let's, uh, let's listen to another track here. This is a cool one. It's called Dancing on Air. I always really like pitch bendy like whistly melodies i don't know why but whenever tracks have those sorts of thing and i think they're cool so nice. let's uh, let's listen to this one this is dancing on air by dance with the dead
And that was Dancing on Air by Dance with the Dead. And I'm here with the fellows from Dance with the Dead, Justin and Tony. We were talking about getting drunk, making music. What can you tell me about uh, that song we just we just listened to? That one uh, has a pretty sad, <laughs> interesting story that, behind it. That was the, I believe it was the last song we wrote for that record we wrote it like two days before the record came out yeah pretty much <laughs> we scrapped one song because it just wasn't working and then the album was going to be out in a few days and we're like crap like what do we do and then i think i just sent justin like well i have this idea that i had and he's like cool i'm gonna mix it for some odd reason we, we thought that we had to have like 15 songs on the record so <laughs> Well, it's a good record. Like, as I say before, I mean, you guys sort of came out of the gate with your sound. You know, like how some people, they sort of, they build towards a thing and you can kind of see the development or whatever. And although I do recognize that I feel like your music's gotten a bit harder as it's gone on and a bit heavier, uh, but it's still like it's, the sound was there right from the beginning. Mm -hmm. And uh, why did you think you needed 15 songs? (laughs) Oh, I have no idea. We were just kind of like in the zone and became like writing machines we're just like let's just keep writing you know so i think at one point we did at least for ideas we had like 30 songs and then it pretty much we narrowed it down to the best 15 do you ever return to ideas you'd previously kind of scrapped or do they oh, just all kind the of, time they usually end time. up on the next release <laughs> hey i got another question here this is from megan mcduffie at megan mcduffie on twitter and she says can they please do a show in San Jose? Well, we were just not that far away from there. <laughs> yeah, we just played in San Francisco. Yeah, so I'll tell Megan McDuffie she should have uh, drove yes. to San Francisco. How, how far is San Jose from San Francisco? Oh, probably an hour, maybe. I don't know. Tell me about your, your live shows. What do, you, what do you guys do? We are still breaking into playing live. We don't have that many shows under our belts. Yeah, we're trying to create like a, a visual light you know, show, so it's not just you're not watching these two dudes whatever playing beats on stage you know Mm -hmm. Um, there's definitely like live guitars on stage we are getting more into DJing our set live too as well just so like it's not boring for the crowd and it's not boring for us you know yeah 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 so we're just trying to get up there and kind of get creative and have crazy lights going on in the back and just loud guitars and solos and making our songs glitchy and just doing the whole the whole 10 yards Megan had a secondary question and says what was the most successful the successful what was the most successful decision in their career to date oh wow no let me think about that one for a second have you ever made a successful decision uh well i'd like to think that in our even early on in our career path right now like we don't really have any complaints that's actually kind of a hard question i guess for me i mean one song that we did do a remix of definitely oh kind of gained us a lot of fans and it's when we did a remix of uh Metallica's Master of Puppets and then uh, that just gained us just a whole new audience that we never had like the, I guess more of the metal community yeah it's interesting because you're one of the groups that sort of there's certain groups you know like obviously like Perturbator Ghost you know Dan Terminus stuff like that whose music is like hard enough that it's uh, it's starting to appeal to like a metal crowd right which is uh, interesting so like how do you see that represented in like your fans you know like do you do you feel like it's that's where it's mostly coming from now or i don't i don't think so i because, i mean we ghost james we're actually good buddies with him and then um i know for at least for him him and us we all have a metal background we all come from being in bands and listening to like metal music that's just been in our dna since we were kids mm-hmm. it's a little more natural for us in our songwriting, whether it's like you said, it's evolved a little bit more to that side later on in records. But I, I have noticed that a lot of these bands are getting harder on their records for sure. And I, I don't know if that's just like the new direction it's going or 
I'm not really sure. Now, I got another question here that we sort of answered, but maybe um, I'll try and phrase it in a different way here. Laser Power Blast at Laser Power Blast says, any past metal or hardcore bands? So you did say yes. Did they have any funny names? Justin was more in a hardcore bands than I was. I was? God, no, I was, I was in like <laughs> shitty like pop, pop punk piece of shit bands. No, none of the names were like silly or anything like that. They were all just like stupid. I was in this band called Hollywood Endings. I thought that was actually kind of a cool title. And then Hollywood Undead came around and we're like, okay, this is not working. Like, My old pop punk band in the late 90s, it was called Nothing New, but that just totally sounds like a pop punk band, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bleached yeah, yeah. hair, dickies, skate shoes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 2002 is fun. Curly shirts. Yeah. <laughs> It must be fun looking back at those. Oh, yeah. Well, let's uh, let's listen to another track here. We're going to finish out Out of Body. And this is a track called Blind by Dance with the Dead.
And that was Blind by Dance with the Dead. And I'm still joined by the guys from Dance with the Dead. We're having a lovely, uh, I guess, morning for you guys. Oh, yeah. So is this hard for you, Justin, then, if you're like a night guy? Oh, no, I'm a, I am still get up early every morning because I'm in my last semester of college. So Monday through Thursday is kind of all just school shit for me. Do your college friends know what you do? Uh, not really. <laughs> I don't really have college friends. I kind of just <laughs> go to class, do my shit, and leave. So What do you do? Do you do... Uh, are you, are you going to college for normal stuff? Business, advertising, and marketing. Ooh, are you going to apply those techniques? Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of already apply them to, you know, the business that just the what Tony and I do and stuff like that. A lot of things kind of help. You should just uh, go into class and just be like, we got 14,000 followers, damn it, and just slam <laughs> the book down the table and walk out and say, give me an A. Yeah, that's my pickup lines to the girls, and they're like, what? No, you fuck <laughs> off. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's not bad. Speaking before, I mean, we talked briefly about your live shows, but I know, um, you know, we've mentioned on the show before because obviously I've talked to like, you know, Protector 101 and Ghost and they all talked about, you know, doing shows and there was lots of those shows they did that you were also at. And I saw some pictures of the one you guys, did you guys go to Russia? Did that happen? Yeah. So how was that show? Uh, it was awesome. It was definitely our favorite shows. Yeah, from so- what I understand, not a lot of acts from you know even small bands to national acts really go through russia so the kids are like kind of very loyal they're they're pretty excited about just you know going to a concert just going to a show yeah we didn't know what to expect obviously especially going across the globe to play shows you know and then when we got there it was just like we were kind of blown away now was that just you and ghost or was there other acts just the two of us yeah just the two of us yeah were you guys just doing the same amount of time how did that work yeah it was it was a co-headlining show for sure i'd say we each were on stage for like an hour give or take and it was cold but i'm sure you know that because where you are it's probably a little chilly oh yeah we could literally go surfing right now yeah that's awesome for you Mm. It gets old. I bet you get to go outside and see women wearing appropriate clothing. Yeah, but then, you know, your AC bill goes up, too, so that sucks. Yeah, see, that's the thing, right? Because both the both ends of the spectrum, it's the same. Because we either get brownouts in the summertime because everyone's doing their AC, or... Actually, we don't usually get power cuts in the winter too often, but then it's because there's, like, a winter storm that, like fucking causes trees to like right. snap in half and blow up wires and stuff i don't i don't really have a grasp on weather but i think that's what happens yeah it's, it's definitely it's it's in the 80s here so it's warm <laughs> <laughs> well that's cool what is um what is turbo drive it's a little community in san francisco uh little show that these guys put on i guess a little more oriented towards like synthy music it's a club based yeah. on yeah based on like synth wave music type stuff and you guys like play there? Is that? Yeah, that, uh, we've done two of them so far. We just did one a week ago, and then another one last summer. I, I don't know how often they throw them. Uh, maybe like once a month or something like that. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Got another question here. This is from Tony Higginson at the Bold Cult. Whatever that means. He wants to know favorite hardware or software. Uh, both. That's you know. <laughs> So he's saying, what, what's our favorite hardware and software? Oh, I, I'm sorry. I thought you meant, like, <laughs> do we favor one over the other? <laughs> Keep the answer at that. That's perfect. <laughs> yeah, both. <laughs> yes. <laughs> sorry, Higgins. Or- <laughs> um, it, really, it just really depends. I mean, it really does come down to just being lazy because you could just pull up a software that sounds the exact same as the hardware. So it's just a matter of not being lazy because then you have to, oh, I have to get the keyboard on and tune it and... <laughs> EQ it when I could just pull up, pull it up on you know a VST plugin and then it's ready to go. My favorite hardware sense, if I was pressed, probably be Moogs or you know some Rollins and stuff like that, just because they're so fit, they're just so juicy. Yeah. <laughs> but we still get on our mouse and 
Yeah, we're a lazy fuck, so <laughs> yeah, it's art software it is. Well, let's um, we're gonna move a little forward in time here, all right, and we're gonna go to Into the Abyss, which is your release from Spring 2014, and uh, and this was a track that was cool. We're gonna listen to a track called Battle by no. What's I gonna no? I <laughs> say Battle by Into the Abyss. It is Battle by Dance with the Dead.
And that was Battle by Dance with the Dead. And I am still here with Dance with the Dead. This is like the next thing you guys release the next year. And it's cool. That song has a really catchy guitar hook, which is fun. Can you talk to me about that one? If I remember correctly, I remember the guitar got added on last. We had the song pretty much ready. And then I think I was just like tuning or something. And I just was playing along. And then Justin was like, dude, why is none the song? And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, just he's like, dude, let's record it, and then we just did it, and yeah, our songwriting stories were really boring because <laughs> either we're drunk or think, it, it just happened out of nowhere. You know, you know the very first note of that song, the the really heavy, gross phaser bass or whatever you want to call it. I was messing around on the keyboard, and I, I found that, and I just hit that one note, and I'm like, here, Tony, write a song around that. <laughs> and it's, uh, I mean, because if you're you're the one who's like kind of always playing the guitar, do you, uh, Justin, do you ever like? play a tune you know using a synth and say can you do this on guitar or is it always just the guitar stuff is just up to you no all the time he'll be like hey can you i wrote this lead synthesizer part can you replace this with the you know can you do it on the guitar and if it's doable yeah i'll do it okay if, you know and if it's a little too much and it's like yeah, yeah. if it's something zach wilde couldn't even play then yeah it yeah. stays on the same <laughs> Because right now you're saying with your live show, you're there and you just sort of like kind of bring your like, do you do live guitar or is that something you're going to integrate in later? No, we do live guitars. So then when it comes time when you're like actually recording the albums, you know, like if you're doing something crazy and complex and stuff, is it your goal to try and get it all in like one take or do you, you know, chop it up like someone, you know, like doing clean vocals and stuff? For the most part, if it's like a guitar solo, I'll, I'll have it written in my head so I know what to play. But, you know, obviously when you want to get it the cleanest it can be. Um, there are times when I have to be like, hey, can you, you gotta have to punch me in here or... Which yeah. I hate. I try to push Tony to just do it one take because to me it's just more organic that way, but sometimes it doesn't happen that way. So then how much uh, rehearsing do you do when you go to do your live stuff? Not that much because we kind of, I mean, we just know the song so well, obviously, and we're not literally playing the guitars the entire time. So if there's like a solo or like a, a part where there's, you know, just minimal guitars, we'll both get on and then just, you know, do the parts and then get back to DJing. It's so minimal of times per song where there's a guitar that some power chords and a solo. It just takes, the, you know, I guess a few practices before the shows and that's about it. I got a question here from Knox at Knox Sucks. And Knox Sucks wants to know, how do you pump out so many great albums so quickly? I want to know why Knox sucks. <laughs> <laughs> He's being a little hard on himself. Yeah, self-confidence, man. Come on. We actually were we were looking through our like uh, we have a folder in our hard drive. It's just called B-sides, all the songs that didn't make it. And then I mean, over a couple hundred songs, you know, over the last three and a half years. So right. yeah, I mean, constantly we're just recording or writing songs. We're just always going at it. Whether it's for Dance the Dead or just I wrote the song, would it work for us? You know, or we're just always writing. So. We never stop. Because he'll, he'll do his thing, whether it's for us or him being drunk and writing or vice versa, me. Just getting drunk and writing something and then, you know, we'll obviously share everything that we've had. Especially if it's coming for another album or an idea for an album, we'll just kind of like, hey, like these are all the stuff I came up with in the last couple months. And then, you know, he'll show me the stuff he has and then, you know, we'll, we'll go from there. So if you're sharing all the things you had, what about uh, women? Oh, I, I have a girlfriend. Uh, Justin, you could explain his situation. Oh, yeah. I'm, he's, no. he's complicated. Yeah, I don't want to talk about that right now. <laughs> I'm glad you answered that question seriously. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man. 
Let's listen to another track. All right, this is another one from Into the Abyss. This was another one I really dug. It's called Odyssey by Dance with the Dead.
And that was Odyssey by Dance with the Dead. And I'm back with Dance with the Dead, Justin and Tony. Holla. Both men, some with girlfriends, some complicated. Um, what is, tell me about Odyssey. I haven't even thought about that. I don't EP. think I've heard that song in two years. So. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that, that EP, it was, it, we were really just, it was almost like, we approached it like a score, and I know they're like it's like dance music, but we wanted the the whole EP to like tell a story, which I think it does. The songs are ordered in a particular way on purpose, and you know it kind of tells a story. Now, did you discover that order as you were going, or was that something where you just you were feeling a build and it was like helping propel like the writing of the tracks, or did you sort of manufacture that order nah, afterwards? We, we don't really think about order of stuff until we have the whole collective, you know, when it's done. But we try to arrange songs on an album to. Where they do tell a story. Who does the artwork for your albums? It's our friend Ruben Martinez, and he has been doing it since day one. We sit down and kind of come up with concepts, and uh, Tony and I can't really draw for shit, so we'll just do some sketches and kind of explain ideas we have in our head, and then we let him run run with it, and he, he just comes up with some cool stuff. Yeah, we give him stick figures, and he comes up with the covers. So is there... Does it exist someplace, your sketches? Oh, uh, yeah, but I, I doubt they'll ever be seen. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just thinking how awesome it would be, because obviously, like, the artwork on your albums is awesome, and it's and it has that sort of consistent style going through it, with these kind of weird beings and things with glowing eyes and stuff. Right. And uh, so that's something that's going to... I mean, that's going to be going forward for the rest of Dance with the Dead, you figure, like uh, using him as the artist? Um, for the most part, I think so, yeah. Yeah, but as far as the consistency on the art, I think that it's an extension of the art itself, you know, the album. I think art, album art cover is really important Yeah. because it's kind of like the window into the journey of the record. That sounds really cheesy, but I can think of a better way to say it. But. <laughs> I, I think it's no different than a band working with a producer for a while and then just kind of branching off to try different producers, different sound. Right. different production so I, I think we kind of approach it the same way like obviously we do want to work with you know different artists in the future but I mean he's been killing it for us so we haven't really thought that far ahead yeah 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 well maybe you'll learn about some of that in your business marketing yeah there you go <laughs> so what do you guys do when you're not uh, making music man I mean for the most part this is kind of our full time thing you know we're trying to book shows and get on get on the road and tour and stuff so for me if Dance with the Dead's I have some downtime than I do. I try to get him and I to do like little movie scores, indie films. Right. We do a lot of scoring for like video games and like shorts. So we we try to just get try to get music our full time thing. Is there any games out there right now with Dance with the Dead stuff on it? There was one called I want to say it was like Night Shift. Yeah. And there's a few others I'm completely blanking, but that's the one that I do remember. Are you guys uh, gamers or? I'm a huge gamer. I'm stuck in 2007 games. Like, I still play Left 4 Dead. <laughs> yeah, but if you get one that's that's fun, I mean, you know, that's... When I think back, uh, you know, when I was younger, and some of, like, the, the fun memories was just that game that, like, everybody played for, like, a huge amount of time. Like, that's why I always talk about GoldenEye and shit like that, because, like, there was this period of time where, like, that was the game. Oh, for 64? Yeah, and, like, and now it's just so fractured, right? Like, you just have all the different systems and computer, and, like, every month there is, like, a triple-A awesome experience. And so, like, not everybody's, you know, so it's fun when you find, like, a community of people who will play, like, a fun game, and just, that's just their game for the rest of the, I guess Call of Duty fans are kind of like that, though, aren't they? Oh, yeah, they're diehards. Yeah, but they still do, they do buy the new one, though. And I, it's technically the same game. Yeah, I got the I got the bundle for the PS4 that came with 
Black Ops, mm. and it's still not even opened. <laughs> I was trying to get the Battlefront bundle, but it was sold out. You mean like you haven't even cracked? You haven't even played your PlayStation Four? I have, but it, I just haven't opened the game, the Black Ops. Oh right, I'm just right, like, right. Oh, whatever, like you know, the Black Ops ones I think I've enjoyed more, but I'm more of a couch co-op kind of guy so the black ops have always kind of had more like they still have like the four player split screen and stuff right which like some of the other ones don't do even though like there's no one wants to play it but like i, <laughs> I still i still hold on to my four player split screen days oh there you go like a, like an old man <laughs> well let's move forward here all right so we uh, we went into the abyss and now we are near dark which is a cool album they're all cool i don't know if i need to preface that every time we uh, <laughs> We talk about something new. But this was a cool track. This is Dressed to Kill by Dance with a Dead.
And that was Dressed to Kill by Dance with the Dead off the Near Dark album. So uh, talk to me about Near Dark. I think Near Dark was the record where we really started... Writing like a rock band? Yeah, like just being a little more structured, out of body and into the abyss. We just kind of wrote the songs, not really thinking too much of it. If it sounded cool, we're like, cool. But um, starting in Near Dark, that's when we started getting a little more into songwriting and then, you know, proper arrangements and placements and all that. So, and that's when we started getting a little more rock oriented too. So what do you mean when you say being more structured? Um, like big breakdowns, kind of getting to A and B quicker. That makes sense. <laughs> Don't bore us. Get to the chorus. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I mean, I can't tell you how many how many songs like dance music I hear. I'm like, dude, like, it's the same part loop for like seven minutes. I mean, that's why I, I really you know gravitated towards synthwave because I've always I mean I've always loved electronic music, but I like melody. I mean, that's what uh, connects me to a track. Right. When there wasn't this kind of this sort of retro revival music stuff that was going on. And I did, you know, like in the 90s and early 2000s, listen to like trance and stuff like that. I'm not necessarily proud of that. It's just something I I think we all did at one point. You know, when I think back, I'm like, there were some like these really great trance songs that would have been even better if they were three minutes instead of seven. When it was just like, why is there this this thing that happens in every trance song at like the four minute mark where for two minutes, it's just literally the same like five seconds looped for two minutes yeah and then it just comes back to the hook part that is the reason why you're listening to the song anyways you know to add to that yeah we were trying to do the complete opposite of that yeah 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 where we don't want to bore the listeners like it's just something's constantly happening and we want that big climatic breakdown you know with huge guitars like justin said like just a rock song mm-hmm so that's when we started really writing songs like that. It was with Near Dark. So then how did that change the the process then of you guys working sort of back and forth? Like, was that something that you really had to sort of sit down and like actually discuss, you know, like... We've kind of always written the same. I just one of us comes up with a riff and it kind of, the song kind of just goes from there. We don't really have like a process or anything. We're just always just coming up with riffs on a guitar, synth or whatever, you know. I have another question here from the Fratelli 85 show at T85 show. He wants to know, uh, ask them if they learned any Russian. Uh, Spasiba, which is thank you. <laughs> yeah, that's about it. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, where's the booze? <laughs> which was in English, but yeah, that's all pretty yeah, much. We me. just pointed a lot to Jameson bottles. <laughs> <laughs> we want that. <laughs> which was strange to add to that. Um, when we first got there, we went to a bar. Strange, right? And then... Uh, <laughs> Weird. We noticed on the menu that they had Maker's Mark. So we're like, oh, sweet. Can we get a cocktail, Maker's Mark and Diet Coke? So what they do over there is, A, they measure their alcohol. So they'll bring you a glass of whiskey. Then they'll bring you another glass of ice cubes and then another glass of Diet Coke. And then you have to pretty much make your own drink. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, we're just like, uh, maybe I'll just stick to beer then. When you guys are doing your live show... Do you drink? Oh, yes. (laughs) So does that help? Is that just for nerves or does that like... Yeah, for nerves. It's kind of like, I guess, the adult Red Bull. (laughs) Hey, you know, the crowd's (laughs) drinking and partying. Like, we want to party too, you know? (laughs) Yeah. You guys don't wear costumes, do you? No. No. So is it funny, like, when you're with Ghost and stuff and he's got that mask? Oh, we make fun of him all the time. (laughs) Well, what happens then? Because when you go over... Obviously, like in the case of Russia, you're, you're, you know, you got to bring gear and stuff like this. And when I had Ghost on the show, he was talking about getting his mask broken in transit. Yeah, yeah so, so Frisco. how does that work for you guys? I mean, how much do you bring? If it's, you know, obviously in the States, we'll pretty much bring everything we can. Our backdrop, which is our lighting, 
our banner, our, our table, our gear, much as we can, you know. But if we're on a plane, we pretty much can't bring much. Just yeah. a big bag of merch and our laptops and guitars. Well, here, let's uh, let's move on. Actually, I want to play one of these tracks because we obviously we've been playing a lot of like the harder ones, and I know you know with each album you uh, you guys like to have like sort of a cinematic kind of piece. Yes, and uh, one I really dug was uh, "Eye of the Storm," which is the one from Near Dark. So, uh, so let's listen to that now. This is "Eye of the Storm" by Dance with the Dead.
And that was Eye of the Storm by Dance with the Dead. So that's kind of a cool, like, sort of cinematic one. Yeah, that track, I actually wrote the majority of it like 10 years ago. And I forgot I had it. And then I brought it up and I showed it to Tony. And he's like, oh, dude, I could do so much with this. And, you know, and we just kind of loved it because it was kind of like a real emotional score piece. And plus, we're huge fans of um, the soundtrack to The Gladiator. Oh, Hans Zimmer. Yeah. Hans Zimmer scores are amazing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, even though it doesn't really fit what we're doing for Dance with the Dead, it was more like a punk rock attitude. Like, well, who cares? We like it. It does sort of suit, again, when you when I think about the metal crowd. You know, there's a lot of, you know, these great metal songs that sometimes will have like an opening, like one minute, almost like orchestral thing that then just sort of like leads into the song. Yeah, it's like symphony, like black metal. Yeah, yeah, stuff. yeah, yeah. I mean, this was clearly cinematic. It's not the same thing, but uh, but I feel like it fits thematically with the vibe, I think. Awesome. Yeah, no, that's a cool one, man. What do you mean you wrote that 10 years before? What was that for? Just I've been writing music my whole life. And it was just like an old demo song that I had that I just pulled up and said, um, we could probably really do something with this. Besides being in sort of bands and stuff, you were kind of doing music yourself, like just for fun? Or? Oh, yeah, not commercially. Co- commercially, just, uh, yeah, just for kicks. Was that something you were both doing? or? Yeah, for the most part. And then, you know, like he said, when he wrote it, it was kind of also part of like learning how to use the program and learning how to record. So both of us just have just a bunch of songs that we were writing, but also just kind of like experimenting with the programs we're using so when you're talking about this sort of mutual love of like horror stuff what are we talking here i was having a conversation the other day because i'm not really like a super horror guy personally but for me i think what i've come to the the conclusion of now is i'm just not really into gross things okay is where is where my (laughs) my brain is so it's like i'm not if i'm like i'm fine with like you know scary movies or weird supernatural things stuff i'm just I'm personally not into like the you know watching someone slowly get their like arm ripped off or something. But is that is that what you like? No, I, for me it's more like the movie. <laughs> it's not so much like the gory scenes. Like one of my favorite movies of all time is a movie that came out in 1983 called Christine, and there's like no blood in the movie at all. But it's, it's still considered like a horror movie. You know, I'm not really into the, the over the top blood and guts. I'm more like into the cool writing and stories. All right, guys, let's move forward here. We're still in the year 2014. Now we've gone. We're now at uh, send the signal which was uh, the album you released in December. Maybe I'm wrong, but I I feel like this album got heavier. Yes. And I really felt like, okay, like the beats felt bigger to me and the guitar felt kind of heavier and harder. And I don't know, like, if I'm just hearing things or if that's true. No, your ears are accurate. (laughs) (laughs) We are always big fans of, like, Motley Crue, like, production, like big drums, big production. I think uh, with this, we just try to capture it a little bit more. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Poison's definitely heavy, I guess, out of the all the songs on that record. But we uh, actually uh, reprised that song, kind of made it a little different, a little heavier, actually. Wait, was that the single you did in 2015? Yeah, it just right, it, okay, it didn't yes, come yeah. out the way it should have come out, and then at the time we just couldn't figure out what it was. Oh wait, so then if I'm gonna play that track, would you rather I played the? Oh uh, yeah, I'd rather you play the reprisal. It's called Poison Reprise. All right, so we're going to play Poison Reprise, which I've just been informed is the way that that you really wanted Poison to come out. Correct. So here is Poison Reprise by Dance with the Dead.
that was Poison Reprise by Dance with the Dead. And that is, of course, a song that was on the album Send the Signal, but uh, then you released it again. Why specifically did you want to do that? Like, Well, that song was, to majority of the people, it probably already does sound heavy, but um, we were happy with it, obviously, because we released it, but it wasn't entirely how we wanted it to sound. We know the song had a lot more potential in it, so later down the line, you know, Justin was like, hey, I, I kind of was messing around with Poison and whatever, and then this is kind of what I came up with. And he sent me like a little demo. And then I was like, oh my God, this is what it should have been. So we decided to re-release it because it was a good song. And then if it could, if it could have been better, like why not show it to the world, you know? So I have, uh, I've got another question here. This is a joke one, but I'm going to read it anyways. Yes. This is, uh, this is uh, from Florence at F-L-A-U-X. Flow... Yeah, sure. They want to know, do they do bar mitzvahs? We'll do his bar mitzvah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be an interesting show. Is there any other tracks that you, uh, you know, when you look back at your catalog that you're like, oh, I'd like another stab at that? Or was just Poison was the one that stood out to you? There's a, there's a lot. I mean, yeah. they're never going to be perfect. That's just us being hard on ourselves, I guess. But there's a lot of things. I mean, if we could, like, man, I wish I could change this and done it better or whatever you know but I, I also think just calling it a day is just good enough too like because what now music's so digital you could perfect anything until you're happy that, that's just never gonna go away you're just gonna be stuck just nitpicking at a song forever you know so I think sometimes you just, you just have to know like you know what this is the best it's gonna get then just have to let you know let it be yeah 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 so what were you doing then in 2015 because it seems like you just kind of did that Poison Reprise or whatever, and then you... Uh... I mean, we did the Master of Puppets remix, and then this next record we just released called The Shape. You know, we wanted to take a little more time on it and not rush it and kind of really dig into the songs. So then how long were you working on the new one? Uh, I think we really started getting heavy on writing it probably last summer. Well, I guess we can sort of move up to that now. We'll wrap this up in a little bit, but um, we've come to The Shape now, which I think, actually, this one has my favorite intro track nice. of any of your albums. Yeah, yeah, it was really good. I liked it. But let's talk about... This is from The Shape now. Let's talk about the track uh, Eyes of Madness. Or maybe I'll just play it here. So this is this is Eyes of Madness by Dance with the Dead.
was Eyes of Madness by Dance with the Dead, and I'm still here with Dance with the Dead. So this is the new album we're talking about now, just released a while ago. When when was it released? February 6th, officially. So talk to me about that track, and I guess just uh, about the album. Well, that song, we're always constantly listening to different things or going back to our roots, just to get inspiration or ideas, you know? And then I know during the writing of this album, we were listening to a lot of going back to a lot of like Daft Punk and like ministry, a lot of industrial like dance dance metal stuff, you know? So yeah, pretty much the Eyes of Madness was, if you could say like it's Daft Punk on Coke and booze. (laughs) That's, I mean, we're like, man, like let's make like a Daft Punk ish kind of song but let's make it us like make let's make it heavy and fast you know we kind of approached a lot of the songs in this record like if we were in the crowd watching the show like what would really get us going and you know the energy and stuff so that's actually the key word we wanted to get a lot of energy in this record where whether you're a fan of the band or not we can make your head bop what would you say you know when you talk about wanting to to sort of do other things you know like score stuff and and things like that when you picture like if you're if you're listening to your music, what are the sort of images that you picture? Like what do you what, if you were giving someone your music and they could make like a film with your soundtrack? Like what do you want? What would you imagine the images to be? Well, a lot of fans always send us like clips of our music with like a YouTube video they put in. Like I don't know, we get like people using one of our songs with like a couple scenes from like the Terminator or something, you know. So a lot of the stuff we gotten back was either like '80s horror movies or action movies from the 80s right right, car chases yeah car chases yeah I mean that's what your fans have sort of like cut together is that what you picture no I haven't thought about that Andy (laughs) (laughs) yeah Uh, you're throwing me off here hmm. no I I don't know I mean when we just write we just kind of write based off just the energy we don't we're not really visualizing what we see in our head we're just like man we'll just get the crowd going then let's do it so I don't don't really know except the stuff that the fans sent us you know which they do I guess go well with the the scenes they put in but right but I mean that's an interesting thing too because a lot of the people I talk to it is very visual for them right you know you're you're approaching it from a different angle which is interesting because you know it sounds like for you it's about a crowd and energy and what would you know generate energy whereas a lot of people you know they play a song because they you know, they picture flying cars in a future city or something, you know what I mean? So there, there is a difference. I think the best I could come up with right now is I think it's driving, like mm. night, nighttime driving. A lot of people I know, they just, whenever getting off work or just driving on a trip or whatever it is, uh, they always tweet or message us saying, man, you know, like, I, I can't wait to play your guys' stuff while I'm driving. Well, it's very, um, I imagine your music is very cathartic. Uh, for people because it is very sort of energetic and heavy so I imagine if someone's driving home and they're frustrated or something and right. they just sort of like rock out you know right it's not necessarily like driving very slowly to the uh, to the grocery store kind of music yeah that'd be weird yeah <laughs> Although that being said, I have had Dance with the Dead in my earphones as I'm uh, grocery <laughs> shopping. My, yeah, grocery shopping, picking up my kid from school, whatever. It's like there you go. It definitely makes the walk more exciting. There you go. Well, I think we're good, man. Is there anything? Is there anything else you guys want to talk about? Or uh, I, I think we're good. I mean, obviously, thank you for interviewing us. Yeah, thank you, man. This is this is cool. Well, uh, yeah, no, it's cool to have people on who make cool music. It makes me happy. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah so you guys i guess you guys have a lovely day we'll end on uh you know we've heard enough sort of like thrashing tracks and stuff like this so i think i'd like to end on a nice one so uh am i nice you know just it's a it's a very pretty song but like what can, what can you tell me about the track adrift oh okay <laughs> 
again, I kind of wrote the main melody of that song a while ago,、mm-hmm. and then I kind of brought it back up. And I guess you could say going through a hard time with a girl this last two months. So that kind of helped push that song out. Then I gave it over to Tony, and he, he did some melodies and leads on it that just kind of made it even more amazing. So there it is. I don't know, that song kind of was written, written off of Heartbreak. Oh, it's so cliche to say, but. Well, that's sometimes where the best stuff comes from, man. Says me. I just made that up. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, man, it's a really cool song. So we're going to play that, and that's,、uh, that's how I'm going to sort of uh, uh, end this. So you want to say some,、uh, some goodbye things? Say, like, thanks, fans, for the memories or something. I don't know. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> yeah, I just want to thank all of our fans, actually. Yeah. It's, it's, it means the world to us that people actually you know, listen to us. And... We do have some loyal, loyal fans. I'll say that. We have the best fans. Must make you feel good? Yeah. <laughs> I love asking terrible questions. <laughs> Anyways, guys, you have a lovely day and enjoy the warm weather.、Um, I have to go、uh, walk in the snow right now, so you guys、uh, are very lucky people. Cool, we're gonna go <laughs> surf. <laughs> <laughs> All right, take care, guys. Right. You too, man. Later, man.
Dance with the Dead. I want to thank you guys for listening and tuning in to Beyond Synth. It means the world to me. <laughs> Listen, I was asking people for catchphrase suggestions, but it's for the closing catchphrase. People have been sending me things that sound more like intros. So I go through the folder and I say, let's see if someone sent me a catchphrase uh, for the end of the show. And I received two, but they're both for the start of the show. And in typical Beyond Synth fashion, without giving a shit, maybe I'll just read an opening for my ending. So this is uh, <laughs> this is from Plumsky, at Plumsky on Twitter. His, all, his name is also Andy. So he gets a pass. He says, I'm racking my brains for a good catchphrase, and all I can think of is... And I'll leave this with you guys until next week. Beyond Synth, taking you back with every track. They're fighting the bad guys. They're the bad guys. You fuck anything and anyone for Can't a fucking Can't you buck. stop saying fuck all the time? Can't you stop talking about money? It's boring, Tony. Where is this going from, Mike? Right? Boring? What's boring? You're boring. Oh. Money, 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 money. That's all I ever hear in this house. Money, look at it. Pelican, fly. Come on, Pelican.